heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. As crime continues to rise, uh, and it's getting to an area that we really haven't seen before, I don't think. Not as widespread as this, and that's my guess. I will find out with some others that know far more about this today than I do, but that's my guess. We're seeing things that I don't know that we've seen before to this level now, this serious, this deep, and the consequences of what's happening. So, all right, so let me just tell you full disclosure, I've been looking to have this conversation with you today and do this program for several months. Uh, This has been on my heart to have this talk today, exactly. And the spirit of this, there was a very interesting article that I had put aside some time ago because I, it was so rich. It was so rich. I just thought, this is unbelievable. I mean, these people need to be exposed for what they are. And I thought, you know, I, I, I got to save this for just the right moment before I use it. And here we are today. Uh, welcome in here to the voice of a nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly. Always a privilege to be with you, my friends. And thank you for joining the broadcast here. All right. So let me just give you the lay of the land, and then I want to bring on a couple of very special folks here that are in the know when it comes to crime, violence, law enforcement, and the political consequences of this that are happening in our nation. So this piece, this op-ed was written, now follow me on this, please, back in January, back January 16, 2018. Okay, it was written by a Richard Florida, which some of you may know the name or recall that name. And he's a professor at the University of Toronto School of Cities and Rotman School of Management. He's the author of The Rise of the Creative Class and the New Urban Crisis. Uh, So that gives you a sense, and you probably have read things about him and what have you, Richard Florida. Uh, But he references somebody else in the article here. uh, And... It's, you know, this is the way the left thinks is what I'm what I'm suggesting to you. So to to get us started, he says two of the most remarkable trends in recent years have been the tremendous decline in violent crime and the comeback of once downtrodden and written off cities. Yeah, this was written in 2018, if you can believe this. I mean, they're celebrating the success of low crime in the cities. And he says in his new book, Uneasy Peace, The Great Crime Decline, The Renewal of City Life and the New War on Violence, New York University uh, sociologist uh, Patrick Sharkey argues that these two trends are inextricably related. The decline in violent crime has paved the way for the urban renewal and their urban revival has in turn helped to stabilize neighborhoods and make them safer and better places to live. All right. That was the opening bell of this piece. Now, listen, when I read this, I thought, I I didn't know if they were talking about another planet, uh, surely another country at the very least, or where the hell they were talking about. But again, you got to remember, you got to dial it back to 2018, right? Got to dial it back there. And, you know, that's when the Trump administration was in office, which he calls out in this piece, by the way. You're going to love this. I said, this is beyond rich, okay? And, And so... 
what I'm just thinking at this moment is, you know, I'd love to have these cats on a program, quite frankly, this Richard Florida and uh, this other gentleman here, Patrick uh, Sharkey. I'd love to have them on a program and talk about their utopia uh, that they paint here and what has happened and what their people have done to American society. It is beyond the pale, people, of what's happening. So let's call it what it is. And let's bring on now, um, uh, Sergeant Betsy Smith joins me. She's a spokesman for the National Police Association, long history of law enforcement, and Dave Smith. And Dave Smith is, uh, well, they happen to be a dual husband and wife, but Dave is the most recognized police trainer, author. Uh, he's, both of them just have a massive impact uh, yeah, as far as I can see in uh, law enforcement, and Dave has always gone by. Uh, you, you probably, you may even know if you follow law enforcement. JD Buck Savage, and how you guys doing, Dave? Betsy, good to catch up. It's been a while. Malcolm, it's so great to talk to you uh, today. Yeah, it's great. I tell you what, it's been a while, but uh, it's always great to hear your voice. Well, I saved this just for you two. All right. So just for you two. And it was it was spurred. I said, I, I got to get you on to have this conversation. So, all right. So you read the piece because I sent you this piece. I had put it aside and I've been planning to do this with listeners for a while because it it just shows, you know, and, you know, we use this word hypocrisy and it's thrown around so much. It doesn't really mean anything anymore. So you really can't even say the hypocrisy because. It's like, you know, these people, th this is the way they act. It's the way they think. It's the way they do. It's the way they be. But here's what I really find really, really rich about this. So he here's the crux of it. So they call out Trump in here. And they, this is this is the left now calling out Trump. They say, and let me read you exactly what they say. And they're calling out conservatives, basically. But all is not well, they said. So they paint their utopia. I already read you the opening piece there. Okay. So then they say, but all is not well. Okay. All right. Well, the peace we have today is indeed uneasy. And powerful forces from the Trump administration to conservative state legislatures are undertaking policies that can undo it. I mean, that statement blows my mind in ways that I cannot even express to you all. I mean, it totally, it's like dynamite goes off in my brain, Betsy Dave, you know? <laughs> it's like, bang, you know? I mean, what does that statement even mean? And and before I let you guys cut you loose, which I know you'll have plenty to say about this in a moment, and just to finish that, Trump, he's sure, uh, they say cities and neighborhoods must step up and lead, and foundations and private sectors Actors must help if the crime decline and the urban revival it helped to set in motion are to endure. Well, yeah, that's fantastic, kids. If the if the, you don't defund the whole police campaign, if you don't open up the borders and let the drug cartels have their day, if you don't make our cities uh, urban shitholes as you've done, uh, sure, you know, we could lead and create a formula here of success. We've done it before. Um, have you ever seen anything like this in your life? Uh, Dave, go first. And I mean, give it to me. Oh, man, I got to tell you, you know, I'm so frustrated uh, as you're talking about in our lifetime. We have seen crime up and down, but now we're seeing it crashing. And I, it's, a, it's a perfect storm of ideology. You know, the, the thing, I, the first thing that Betsy and I were talking about when you, you sent the article for us to to, to think about, you know, 
sociology. That was my minor. It used to be a real science. Criminology used to actually be focused on preventing crime, social issues. But by the 90s, it had collapsed into an ideological morass of left-wing uh, activists. And that's the problem. Anytime I see the word sociology, I know I'm going to get some kind of bizarre, slanted, incomplete idea that obviously will have very few elements analyzed. And we all know what's happening in this combination of equity in, in the prisons. Uh, Soros is back. See, we never had these Soros-backed prosecutors before. Always in the past, even in our high crime problems, we had prosecutors that were focused on solving the problem and focused on the victim. Today, we're focused on the criminal. It's all part of this classic uh, again, from way back when I was in college, there was a Marxist ideology building right. uh, in, in criminology that crime was a result of the friction between the haves and the haves nots, the, the proletariat, the bourgeois, and then it shifted mm -hmm. to be feminist theory. And But Dave, you never thought back then and compared to now, you never thought it would get this. I mean, back to school, no. back to now, you never thought it would get like this, did you? No, and Malcolm, exactly, because the fall of the Soviet Union, we saw the facts. Communism did not eliminate crime. In fact, it only it, it allowed a society to literally be a failed system. Now, the problem, what I see is we have forgotten all those issues. And what's weird is that sociology theory crept over to law schools. And, and uh, as I watched it happening growing up, uh, you know, being active in all these uh, law enforcement activities, I saw it drifting over to law theory. And now it's literally a foundation in law schools. And it's you and I both know criminality is a conscious act. It's a it's a decision. It, it's a it, the old thing. We called it rational choice theory, that it's a rational thing. If you're raised a certain way, if you don't have a value base, if whatever your socioeconomic structure is, you're these are all things we actually used to discuss. Now you're not even allowed to talk about it. Yeah, but that's of all things are fair in the square. But things are not even fair in the square anymore, Dave. I mean, they, they've lit the whole thing on fire. As you say, you know, I, I'm just wondering, let me ask Sergeant Betsy about the the, the DAs. You know, the, the district attorneys that Dave was just talking about, the takeover of a lot of our cities and metropolitan areas, Let's. I just want people to understand the impact of this, Sergeant Messi. How devastating is this? I mean, how many? Uh, what are we talking in numbers for these DAs, and what's happening to the polarizing of of this uh, that people should be aware of? Well, we hear about these Soros-installed uh, district attorneys and states attorneys around the country, and I think most people understand that. For example, Kim Fox in Cook County. And uh, George Gascon in L.A. County and Larry Krasner in uh, Pittsburgh, you know, <clears throat> Alvin Bragg in Manhattan. These were these were given large amounts of open society money, George Soros money. And what they did and what they ran on was we are going to keep people out of jail, get people who are in jail out of jail and we are going to make the criminal justice system more, quote unquote, equitable. Now, equitable and equality are two different words and people get them confused. But these uh, prosecutors are now in smaller counties and they're in virtually every state of the union. And what they are doing, Malcolm, is they are taking cases that are presented to them by law enforcement, arrests of violent crime and large-scale retail theft and things like that, and they're doing nothing with them or they're, they're making plea bargains 
um, to, you know, to the point where people don't go to jail. They might be on probation for a year or whatever. Is this all under the George Soros watch? Is this what we're speaking about, this wing it, of it? It absolutely yeah. is. It absolutely is. What are we is. talking in numbers? Do you have any idea, Betsy, what the, I mean, do, is there any accounting for the numbers on this? Do we know? The the numbers of the prosecutor? Well, yeah, how many? I mean, what are we, I mean, at one time it was just a few, like you just said, they're not even just in big cities, Malcolm, in metropolitan urban areas, but they're all over the place. I mean, is there any account of enough? Are we talking hundreds? Are we talking a couple of dozen? Are we talking what? I, I do believe hundreds. I, I, just take uh, where I was a police officer in Tucson decades ago. You know, we have a very activist uh, prosecutor now, a Soros-backed prosecutor in Pima County. You know, I mean, these are the kind of things, Malcolm, literally anywhere you find crime is is ballooning. You're going to find a Soros prosecutor somewhere in the mix. Wow. And it's just amazing to me that we, 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 again, we won't talk honestly about any of these problems. Yeah. And, well, and for example, in Tucson, Arizona, it's a small, you know, relatively small city. Homicides are up 87% under this Soros-installed prosecutor. And again, we're seeing that all over, not just in the biggest cities in the country. And what this leads to, Malcolm, is if, a, you know, because what people don't understand is that police officers don't prosecute cases. We arrest somebody, we present the case to a prosecutor, and then it's up to the prosecutor what's going to happen to that case. We cannot compel a prosecutor to prosecute the case, to take it before a judge or a jury. So what happens is police officers all over this nation are taking excellent violent crime cases that because they're trying to get some justice for these poor victims and the prosecutors plea them down to nothing. They don't take them at all before a judge or a jury. And what that does is it makes the justice system uh, criminal centric instead of victim centric. And it creates a, an atmosphere of what we call depolicing. In other words, police officers are not going to bother to put together these fantastic cases and these long-term investigations, because why would you bother to do something that somebody's just going to throw in the garbage can? Right. So that that's, uh, I want to ask you that I, I, in my world, I call active police and active police and, is really not a thing anymore, is it? I mean, they're not going to put their themselves on the line. Well, even for all the other reasons we'll talk about, because they're being our let's face it, our the men and women that were, that wear the uniform are being accosted. I mean, they're they're being ridiculed. I mean, they're being charged. They're being obliterated, right? Well, sure. A lot of these Soros-installed prosecutors uh, also ran on the fact that they are going to prosecute more police officers. So, for example, in exactly. Travis County, Texas, Austin, Texas, yeah. the, the George Soros prosecutor there went back and started indicting police officers for things that they did during the 2020 George Floyd riots. And a lot of these police officers had zero riot training uh, the city really didn't use the intelligence they had to determine how violent these riots were going to get. So instead of prosecuting criminals, they're going to go. They're activists who are going after. So when you officers. talk in your training police all over the country, which is what you guys do, what what is the sense? I mean, honest to God, what is the sense? I mean, back to this active policing where. You know, they used to be looking out for the citizens and things that were going wrong. Now, 
I, I'm just guessing. I, I'm, I'm asking you both, please. I don't really know, but I'm guessing now. They're just waiting till you know uh, three o'clock, so till the shift ends to get the hell out of there. They're certainly not looking to open up another cases or charge somebody. So I would imagine, you know, it's I, I, I would imagine that unless something's blatant right in front of you, I, I, I'm guessing people are they're not really actively pursuing crime anymore, are they? I mean, is this a real thing? Yeah, you're not. You're hitting it right. But this is one of the key issues. This is an entire. Again, you're asking a very complex question. Right. I can't give you a simplified answer because starting in 2020, you literally saw every organ of society, from the media to the pulpit, uh, everywhere, politicians attacking law enforcement, questioning our credibility, questioning right. our our morality, and it was it was a cacophony, and it was constant. And you and again. This is the kind of thing where part of being a law enforcement officer is the intrinsic reward of being respected and having your honor appreciated and risking your life for your community and having people care. And America as a whole, we started seeing football games and basketball games with open disregard for law enforcement, for the military and for our country as a whole. This became a, 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 literally a common theme. It still resides today in many sports, frankly. And in many aspects of our society and these youngsters out there, we talk to, you know, uh, they are they still love the work. You know, you, you right. law enforcement is actually about helping people in spite of what everyone thinks. And law enforcement, part of the thing that hurts us is you care about that victim and you see the society completely disregard. The victim becomes a, 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 a tertiary sideline, something to be thought about later. And this is a problem America is going to have to deal with. That's Dave, you bring up a good point. You're talking about people like myself who really want to put justice where injustice is. We want to right, right. the wrongs. That not that what you're talking about? Exactly. And, you know, I get this really fires me up and we've talked in the past, but this is the kind of thing now as a nation, I'm seeing America awakening. And that's people like you who have been crying out, telling people to think. Yeah. And finally, they are thinking. And I think it's a it's a matter of everything right. coming together, all the variables. I hope you're right. And and that's why I knew I had to have this conversation with you both, because I, I you're at a different level than many other law enforcement. And I know you get it. I know you understand the problem. I very much understand what's happening here. So when you when you're out talking to these um, these these uh, police officers, you're training and you're you're all over the country. Um, I mean, you don't there, there's not a sense. I mean, these they're not actively policing anymore. I can't imagine any. Uh, why would anybody go out of their way? I mean, I can't. I mean, I, I know there's a love like you just expressed, Dave. I get that. There's a love for what they do. There's a love for helping people. And I love the way you just flip that script, which nobody really talks about. These cats are in it because they really want to. Uh, they're actually in it to help people. They're not in it to, uh, you know, uh, to um, uh, create havoc with people's lives or, you know, like the media has accused them of shooting everybody and being like the Wild West. They literally get into the business to help people, uh, to help that fellow man out. That was the whole nature of active policing. Uh, now, criminals are criminals. Now, criminals are never going to like this kind of thing. Let's be clear. I mean, but there's always a criminal intent. Evil exists. It's always going to exist. We have to call that evil out clearly, but I, so you're, is there anybody out there active police? And I, I mean, this is a real thing I'm asking. Is there within your, I, am I making too, I, I think I'm onto something here. I, I think active policing is gone and I, and I don't blame them. Let me, let me just be clear with you. I, I, I believe 
you know, there's going to have to be another coming here somehow. Something's going to have to happen in law enforcement or all bets are off and the Wild West is here to stay. You know, Malcolm, what is happening and what we're seeing around the country as we travel is that proactive policing Mm -hmm. is becoming regional, just like safety is becoming regional. If police, for example, I was just down in Florida a couple of weeks ago training in Florida. And, you know, as you know, in Florida, they have a very pro law enforcement um, governor. They have a lot of pro police prosecutors there. And those police officers are working hard, fighting crime, you know, and they have that amazing sense of mission that they are helping people. Now, you go to, to other places, you you know, where where they are being attacked and vilified and lied about. And no, you don't see the proactive policing that you used to. But I want people to understand that American law enforcement and people see it every day in the news that they're paying attention American law enforcement is still sacrificing. They are still getting hurt. They are still dying in the name of protecting our communities. And I don't think that even what's happening now is ever going to make that stop. But what is happening, Malcolm, and it shouldn't happen, is safety is going to become regional. So people, Mm. you know, especially uh, low income people who can't move out of the cities, who can't move out of bad neighborhoods, who can't move out of an area where they won't yeah. prosecute the crime, they're just going to be victimized. Betsy, what you're saying, help, let me again. let me let me jump in and ask you this, please. I think what you're telling us, and I think what people might understand, if this is what you mean, that the bluer cities and states are going to become bluer and the red are becoming redder. Is that really what we're saying? Well, I think the bluer are going to become more violent. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And and you know, red red states and and red cities that are going to allow police to go back and do their jobs just like So it's playing to the political divide in our country again. It's what it's which doing. Which is sad. Yeah. They cra- yeah. you know, it, policing isn't yeah. political and and uh crime and uh, crime prevention really should not be Politically either. But, you know, as they talked about in that in that article, Malcolm, that you sent us, you know, he talks about all the things the police did to stop crime in the 90s, to reduce crime in the 90s. And it was go to the neighborhoods where the where the crime is happening, shut down open air drug markets, put people in prison. All of those things now, Malcolm, we're told we're we're being told are, you know, racist and wrong and all that. All that stuff is what we call broken windows policing. You know, the Manhattan Institute continues to talk about it, but we're not allowed to engage in that kind of policing because yeah. we're told. Yeah. It's and and bad. remember this, uh, Betsy Dave, that this was um, uh, oh, 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 this op ed, this was opine. This was in Bloomberg, by the way, this uh, piece I mentioned to you all up front. This was back four and a half years ago now. So I guess what we're saying, and, you know, back then when we talked, Betsy, Dave, I mean, you know, we had all that uh, uh, post-Ferguson world and there was still a hit, but nothing like we've seen now. I guess what I'm saying is we've, un- since you and I have started talking these mass- past many years and back to this op-ed when it was written in January 2018, four and a half years ago, we've unraveled to a whole new level, haven't we? Yep, exactly. You know, it's gotten worse. Been- you, you read that article and then you read 
and for the people who, who haven't read it, it's really it's it depicts two or three aspects that we could debate, actually, and gives those total credit for the reduction in crime. But we all know, look, crimes reduced because we put criminals in jail. Most crimes committed by criminals who are recidivists. They go back, they go to jail, they get out, they commit a crime. Now they don't even go to jail. They go out, commit a crime. They get uh, cops risk their lives, put them in jail, the, uh, no bond, no bail, adios, see you later. They're back on the street with total disregard for the victim. And so many, look at the Illinois law they just passed. My God, if you've been kidnapped, that guy gets out without a bail. I mean, what the heck? Who's his primary witness? Yeah. The victim who's now terrorized. You're, you're building a society of terrorism. Literally, at the same time, those of us in law enforcement who kept saying, well, that's wrong. Well, they just mute us by calling us a name. Uh, you're a fascist. You're a racist. Right, you're, right. Whatever. And that's all they have to do nowadays. The ability to silence opposition, the ability to debate an idea are long gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the silencing uh, has made us uh, not able to debate. Well, that's that. the problem, Dave, right there. And I really believe that. I, I, I think that. It's bad enough. It's happened in the way it has. But then our corrupt media doesn't report a damn thing of truth. Uh, they are part of this oppressive state uh, that is built out there. You know, to close a couple of circles here and to move on with you, th this big story here we're talking about today. Uh, they, there's a, you know, I mentioned, and I really want you to speak spe to speak specifically when I talk about how very rich this is. I want to read you this very brief couple of sentences. Um, when they ask the question of this, uh, Betsy, Dave, they say, what can cities do to lead here? OK, and then they say this. And I want you to speak specifically. I want everybody to understand. I mean, they are in fear. Back in early 2018, you had a pro-law enforcement federal government. You had a pro-law enforcement president. You had you, there was no, the defendant hadn't really got to the uh, the, the hot spot that it became. Uh, you had that summer of love that came after this thing. All that came after this piece was written. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain, uh, right? Is that correct? Right? I think it all happened yeah. after this. And so we were at a different point of the country. And so when they say, what can cities do to lead here? They say this, cities have to lead the right, the way right now. There's an urgent need for a short-term model to make sure urban neighborhoods don't fall apart. That has become a major threat over the past few years as violence has risen. They talked about violence in 2018. These people ought to wake up and have some smelling salt right about now, see what the hell we're dealing with now. My good golly, Miss Molly, you know, please. Then they say there's here's the drum roll that this is a killer. And, and, and Betsy, I'd like you to talk about this specifically. I, and honestly, don't give me any bullshit, but tell me what you really think about this in regards to when they call out Trump again. And, I, and you know, and I'm no defender. Of, I'm just defender of the truth. OK, and they say this. We've seen the Trump administration try to push us backward to the 1960s in terms of how to develop policies around police and criminal justice and urban disinvestment. You know, I got to tell you, Sergeant Bessie, I'll tell you, I could blow an aneurysm based on that statement again. I mean, I could blow an aneurysm here. OK, these people are either they're either on some sort of illicit drug when they wrote this thing or they really are in some Alice in Wonderland moment or totally out there for lunch. Which is it? And how the hell do these people have any right to call out any conservative circles or any Trump administration or anything when it comes to law enforcement? And I'm not here to defend any person. But I hear him defend the truth. 
Well, Malcolm, in that article, in that op-ed, he taught he's take he wants to attack the Trump administration in 2018 when things were going just as well as they could have possibly get, been going Amen. in this issue. And so, you know, he says, well, they, you know, they were going back to the 60s. You mean putting people in prison? You mean having enough police officers? And one of the things the Trump administration did, and again, I'm not here to rally for Donald yeah. Trump, yeah. but he cared and his administration cared about the safety of law enforcement, our mental health, and he cared about crime victims. And he wanted all cities. It didn't matter what their politics were. He wanted all people in all areas to be able to be safe from violent crime. And that was largely what was happening in 2018. And it sounds like in this op-ed that he wants to, to the opportunity to tear that down. And that's one of the things mm -hmm. that I, I don't understand. Yeah, what the hell I, is he looking for here? What kind of a world is this I, cat looking for? I don't even understand the piece. Do you? You don't get it either. No, it, 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 you know what? You, you've hit it right on the head. It was full of what we would call these uh, glittering generalities. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, we talk so much about propaganda today, and that was a pure propaganda line. Yeah. Uh, and again, he's an academic. He's in sociology, which right. is now a junk science, a pseudoscience in my you know, I minored in it. I read it. I, I read it. I've continued to read it all my life and study some of it. But, you know, I, Dave, I, let me remind you of one other thing here. But don't, let me say this. But listen, you have to admit, admit this to me, please. Uh, the, the left, they are brilliant when it comes to projectionism and talking about the direct opposite of what really has happened. Is that right or wrong? Perfect. Yeah. That is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. They project. In fact, yeah. you can tell what their plan is by yeah. what they're blame us yeah. in law enforcement yeah. or in the conservative movement or whoever they see as an opponent. Whoever, whatever they blame them yeah. uh, for, is what they're about to do. That's what I thought. That this was so rich and perfect to, uh, that. It, you know, this op-ed, it just had to be flushed out. And I wanted to do it with our listeners, but I really wanted to do it with a couple of special folks here. And so we are joined here today, my friends, with uh, Sergeant Betsy Smith, uh, who's, again, spokesperson for the National Police Association, um, and uh, Dave Smith, two uh, just remarkable people. Dave is probably one of the most recognized police trainers in the country. Uh, both have had amazing careers in law enforcement, uh, training a lot of our young people now trying to get into the business. So they're kind of seeing things. So that's why, you, you know, when you have this kind of conversation, you want to have the right people in the room. Because I suspect a lot of stuff, but I don't really, I, I like somebody to cross the T's and dot the I's with me. You know what I mean, friends? You know, I want someone to make sure what I, to keep me honest in the conversation that I'm not throwing you a bunch of baloney because I don't like partisan talk. And, you know, I just don't really, that's wasting time. And I don't want to waste my time. And I surely don't want to waste your time, you know, really and truthfully. Uh, so as we continue on here on the voice of a nation and this talk, we're going to continue on peeling some of this with these, uh, with both Betsy and Dave and moments here and, and get into some of the nitty gritty on this, but also what can we do uh, is, you know, I think the the always thing we want to do here is provide a solution. And where's the optimism? How do how do we turn this thing? You know, and, and, and I know some people always say, well, you got to get to and vote at the next election. And yeah, we get that and we know that. Um, but, you know, what I said to you a couple of weeks back, and I think Dave and uh, Betsy will probably agree with me if I tell them in a moment here. But I think when we send the voter cards out, what I'd like to put is new legislation in place that when the voter cards go out to everybody or they go in to vote at the polls, whether it's ballots or whatever, you know, 
that we send a package of smell and salt with it, that they have to use the smell and salt to wake up their senses, to wake the hell up before they go in to vote. I think that would do numbers for us. Don't you people? I mean, come on. Let's send everybody a free smell and salt and smell the smell and salt first. Wake up your conscience, get your ability to understand and judge things accordingly, and then go in and vote your conscience. How's that? Wow. I like the way that sounds, actually. I think we get something done with that, potentially. We surely ain't getting it done the old way, for sure. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Here, Well, you're listening here, my friends, to the voice of a nation. And um, I want to just bring to your attention two amazing products that uh, I hope you've made part of your daily regiment. You know, growing up, we always said, it was always talked about keep your nose clean, right? But they never said wash your nose. They always said, well, I say that, but I remember my grandmother saying, better wash your mouth, but wash your mouth out with soap. I remember that being said to me, to be sure, uh, as a kid. You probably do too. But they never said wash your nose out. I was always, you know, going to wash their mouth out. But actually, it was all the germs and pathogens were going in our noses. Uh, we got a, Even grandmother had it all wrong all those years. How do you like that? Uh, two amazing products you need to be aware of. Uh, nasal hygiene is vital. In a world of chaos and craziness, whether it's the uh, monkeypox or giraffe vomit or uh, SARS-CoV-2 or whatever they're throwing at us next to your friends or the superbugs, pathogens or viruses of any kind here, uh, two amazing products will help you on your journey. The first is Cofix RX is amazing. This nasal hygiene, a couple of squirts up your left and right nostrils, clean that out, spit it out, do it a couple of times. And if you're feeling sick or whatever, uh, you want to use that every eight hours. I have personal uh, personal proof of the use of this tool and how much it works. It saved my, my mother-in-law her life, to be sure, because my wife had this stuff in the same room with her, and she didn't get it because of Covix RX. So it's an amazing product. It kills the pathogens in the nose before it gets into your respiratory tract, into your lungs, and does serious damage. You cannot beat the stuff. It's made with the povidine, iodine, and, a, and, uh, and an amazing list of ingredients there. Check it out. There's a lot of research on the site as well. CofixRx.com forward slash out loud. Out loud is use the code out loud to get 20% off your order. Or you can just click the banner ad back at America Out Loud. And the other one I got to tell you about is clear. X-L-E-A-R. Amazing product, amazing people, amazing company. Uh, and they are truly that. that. This one's made with xylitol. Again, kills the pathogens, the superbugs, the viruses. This is more maintenance mode. Uh, this has uh, this is prophylactically. This is phenomenal to use. If you're looking for something prophylactically, uh, clear is fantastic. If you're feeling a little oozy or something going on, Cofix RX. They both have great uses. Uh, clear is available in your grocery store, your pharmacy, all over the country. It's amazing products. So, anyways, nasal hygiene and uh, keep your nose clean. Wash your nose out. Wash your hands and. And, uh, and don't let anybody wash your mouth off. we got to get out loud here, friends. Uh, we'll take a quick pause and we'll join you just on the other side. Yeah, you're listening to the voice of a nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. While many things we hear are lies, we know one thing is true. Viruses exist and people get sick. Look, there's no guaranteed way to keep from getting sick, but there is a way to reduce your chances. Cofix RX, the original povidone iodine-based antiviral nasal spray that you hear Dr. McCullough talking about, provides an additional invisible layer of protection 
from colds, flu, coronaviruses, and more. Click the banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and use promo code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Stay protected with Cofix RX. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. To the voice of a nation. It is Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and always a privilege to be with you. And welcome in to my fellow Americans and uh, to our friends around the globe. This show is heard all over the globe. We have a fantastic audience in uh, the, the UK and Australia and New Zealand. A lot of countries love America Out Loud. And you can hear it on the iHeartRadio network. We have our own apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. And uh, we have a fantastic world-class media player. Just click the Listen Live button back there at America Out Loud. You hear that anywhere in the world. We're on a lot of networks, a lot of places you can hear it. All the shows go to podcast, as you know. And it's all alive and well and kicking back at AmericaOutloud.com. And friends, thank you for being on the journey here. We're talking about, uh, really, this undermining of law enforcement. Um, as this goes to podcast in a day or so, about a day, day and a half, and it will be available on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. It will also be under the voice of a nation if you're listening to this on podcast weeks or months later. Okay, you can get, I'll have a link to that uh, uh, article, that op-ed I mentioned to you from Richard Florida, as he mentions this uh, Patrick Sharkey and the, uh, the books they wrote, uh, The Great uh, Crime Decline and the Comeback of Cities back in 2018 when they were criticizing the conservative cities and the Trump administration, all of this and bitching about crime. And now look what's happened. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beyond the pale here, what these people were thinking. I, I don't begin to know. I'd take that back in a moment, 2018, early part. God, I, I'd, I'd say, God, please bring me back to 2018 in January. I love it. I never want to go backwards, but you know, at this point in time, that was a better America. That was a better world before the uh, Marxists and the communists got a hold of it, to be sure here, and unleashed COVID and the rest of the baloney, right? Uh, what about illegal immigration? That's another thing I want to talk about, the drugs. I want to talk, not so much illegal immigration, but the drugs, the drugs, the drugs, the drugs, the crime, the violence, the drugs. Uh, and they also talk about guns. I want to talk about that as well. Join us back on the program here. Sergeant Betsy Smith, spokeswoman for the National Police Association. Dave Smith, recognized police trainer, 
uh, two amazing voices in law enforcement. Nobody better to have this conversation with than you two, Betsy and Dave here. Always a privilege to be with both of you and your company. I want to ask you now about uh, um, being serious now, the drugs. All right, so they say here, let's see here. Okay, all right, so listen to this now. In the piece here, this is that op-ed now, they say this. Law enforcement became more effective at what they were doing by using data about where police should be stationed. Where the problems were arising, they started to shut down open-air drug markets to really end the crack epidemic, which was a major source of violent crime all over the country. So it wasn't just the police. It was about the transformation of urban spaces, about a set of changes that took place at the same time. Part of that was a very local mobilization against violence that was driven by residents and local organizations to retake parks, alleyways, cities, blocks, etc. So they were talking about the crack ep epidemic and the drugs. Uh, let's talk about that right now, because right now, and I don't know how that, Betsy, I don't know how this is playing to you in your circles here, but I got to tell you, from all the reports I see in our markets and cities and what's happening with drugs and the opioids and the the, the fentanyl uh, and the young people that are dying because they think they're taking something innocent and they're all dying. And you really, this is pretty serious stuff here. What's happening on that front? Well, Malcolm, what's happening is, you know, we've got a, a completely open southern border where all this fentanyl is coming and it's it's reaching all of our cities. I mean, everybody wants to talk about, you know, COVID or even uh, homicide, but we have thousands and thousands of primarily young people dying of fentanyl overdoses and very often they're taking fentanyl for the first time and in in the meantime what's happened is states like washington have just decriminalized all drugs and their overdoses have gone through the roof well let's stop there a minute when you talk about decriminalizing stop there a moment now let's let me drill in on that please for a moment so at one point when you ask most people, we knew a, there was this whole thing about legalizing marijuana, you know, Colorado, everybody wanted to be sky high. I get it. Uh, whatever. OK, so it was no longer about just a, a, a glass of bourbon anymore. It was about let's get stoned out of your mind and uh, then see what that does for crime. How bad are we talking, uh, Betsy, with these drugs and in relation to crime, what are we talking? I mean, I know the young people, there's a lot of death, but how does this relate, though, please? How do we how do we relate this to, to real crime? Well, you can look at the horrible homeless situation that we have right now. That directly relates back to uh, the drug problem. And, you know, those folks that are homeless, they're not just victims of homeless homelessness, but especially the women are often victims of horrific sexual assaults and uh, batteries and thefts and things like that. And this all centers around a drug culture. Plus, Malcolm, we have an American public, unfortunately, uh, a large swath of the public right now are drugged out of their minds. And that right. often leads to whether it's impaired driving, domestic violence, um, homicide, and everything in between. And we have seen this uptick in the last two and a half, three years. A lot yeah. of people want to blame blame it on COVID and blame people being stuck. Right. In I'm so sick of that, too, when they do that COVID. That's going to do with freaking COVID. You left, the, you left the door undone. You got the whole border open. Thousands of miles of people are coming in. With the, the, the drug cartels are running it, Betsy. Yep. 
Well, and that's the thing. Malcolm, Dave and I live 80 miles from the southern border. And so we see what is happening. We see the porous nature of that border. And we see that for every um, big haul of fentanyl, and and it's not just fentanyl, it's cocaine, it's illegal marijuana. It's There were some busts this past week that we talked about on Viewpoint this Sunday. They were huge, biggest ever in Phoenix. You see that story in Phoenix? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. We we live south of there. But here's the thing. For every one of those big halls, there's 20, 30, 40, 100 halls. That we don't even know, right? Don't intercept. See, think about this. Think about this. I mean, come on. This is crazy. And how can the American people not be demanding? They close the door to the border with whatever the hell you got to do. I mean, and you know the other thing? Let's drill down on this statement. I I don't want to gloss over some of this stuff. In this op-ed, they say law enforcement became more effective uh, at what they were doing by using data about where police should be stationed. You wanted to defund the police. You did defund the police. You you installed communist DAs. You made crime happening again. You You undid all the success in all these cities that have become cesspools now. I mean, how could they say that back in 2018? Like, you know, and then they talk about the drug markets, you know, that to end the, this was just, you know, those were the simpler days, Dave, when they were just talking about a crack epidemic. Jeez, we're beyond that now, aren't we? <laughs> you know, that's exactly the problem. Again, you know, this we they always want to have one element or one comment, you know, oh, at least the data. No, you know what? We went where the crimes were. But not just that. We all know that the prisons were full of drug dealers who were also criminals in a broad range of activities. And that under Obama, remember, he was letting drug dealers out right and left, you know, and again, one of our problems is we can't just you can't separate one form of crime from another. It's a it again, it's a rational choice. People pick a criminal life. They have to be punished. Some people, the only way to cure their criminality is like wine, age them, put them, warehouse Mm. them and age them. There's no other way. There's no program and no rehabilitation other than aging. And the other problem is, frankly, you I wrote an article a couple of years ago. The war on drugs is over. Drugs won. The politicians literally gave up. It required a complete uh, uh, it, it needed an all out war. Uh, from educating the children, punishing the drug dealers, closing the borders. And this is the whole thing. We now have done just the opposite. We don't condemn anything. We have the borders wide open. Like you said, the cartels are literally running the yeah, southern yeah. Uh, of the border states. Uh, Human trafficking, sex trafficking, kid trafficking. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's, it's all, all together. Of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the plight of that, what I tell you right there, I mean, it it crushes my soul, to be sure with you. I mean, it crushes me. And when I hear the stories of this with young people and how their lives are obliterated, and, you know, I've done I've done stories on this over the years. It's been a while, but it's something I'm so passionate about, the human spirit. And there's nothing that snuffs it out more than human trafficking and sex trafficking and drug trafficking and all of this stuff here. It is the core and focus of good and evil. It's 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 the core of everything that's wrong with us as a society it's just it's sick beyond the pale here um all right so they talk here about i, w- I want to talk a couple things in our time here now i want to talk about their conversation about the guns so briefly touch on that and then i want to talk about solutions i don't want to i don't want to have the mic go cold and we're not talking about stuff we can do 
and waken people up beyond the smell and salt that I highly recommend, uh, surely. And I'll pay for the smell and salt actually to send it out with the voter cards to be sure. Um, but they say here about how much do guns and gun control matter is the question they ask in that piece. They say the presence of guns makes violent crime much more lethal. This is an empirical reality. And the absence of guns changes the feel of a city. In New York City, they say, back to this is written 2018, to remind you all now, please, when you walk the streets, you know that those around you are not carrying a gun. It transforms every part of city life. Uh, the bigger challenge is developing gun control policies that will be effective. And I don't think we have clear evidence that will guide us there. All right, stop there, full stop. That was said in this op-ed here that I share with you all now. Now, people, this is where the left are, I mean, they're senseless. They're classless, they're brainless, they're senseless. I mean, you'll have to understand with the ev evil components of society, these people never give up their ammunition and their guns or their anything. They're not going to. They always will have them. That's just the way it is. You can't make this stuff up. So the only thing these leftist people in these professors and the sociology the psych psychopaths uh, that run the colleges and the rest of these cats uh, is they want to unarm the innocent people, the good people who can the what? So they get assaulted, double the time and the speed on the roads, because right now we're headed toward a wild west society. So let's do this. Let's talk about that problem, but then also the solutions. What can we do? What what do listeners need to know? In addition to my smell and salt opportunity, where do we go, Betsy? Let's start with you first. The the gun piece, and then solutions, please. We, we so we take this last uh, eight, nine, ten minutes of the program and make it count. You take it from there. Well, Malcolm, one of the things they did for gun control in New York at that time period was they had something called stop and frisk so that people who were carrying illegal guns were stopped. They were patted down. The police took possession of the guns and those people were charged with a crime. Now, in New York, it's very difficult to get a concealed carry permit. That's working its way, of course, through the courts again. And, and that is the same way in a lot of big cities, including my native Chicago. But as you probably know, a guy by the name of John Lott wrote a book years ago and continues to speak on this to that day, uh, to this day, more guns, less crime. You, there, there's no other way to say it. And if a criminal is walking down the street and wondering whether I, a 63-year-old woman, has a gun or not, and maybe he thinks, well, maybe I do because we have constitutional carry in Arizona, he's probably going to leave me alone. So uh, we ascribe to the theory uh, of John Lott, more gun, less Well, gun. And, and, you know, gun they were back to, back to what you said, Betsy, this suspicion, active policing is what you spelled out of the first part of your talk there. An act of yes. policing was based on suspicion, suspicion. And these are professionals that understand what suspicion looks like. But if you're going to really cut crime off at the knees, you almost have to have that. Sadly, I mean, that's just the way if you're going to fight evil, evil sort of lurks in those areas, doesn't it? Well, yeah. And I mean, evil exists. This is one of the things that we've lost in 2022 yeah. is that a lot of activists don't want to admit that evil exists. And yet we see it on video 
day in and day out on our Twitter feed and Instagram and on the news and, and this and that evil exists, but gun control has failed crime victims in this country. My native Chicago is the perfect example of this just because we have gun laws on the books. And this goes back to progressive prosecutors is for example, in Cook County, Illinois, when a gun criminal gets arrested, that criminal is right back out to maybe or maybe not have to go to court just because we have a lot of gun laws doesn't mean we have any gun control criminals. What are you optimistic about right now, Dave? What's uh, with law enforcement and crime, the point of this conversation today, what are you most optimistic about? Well, you know, I'm optimistic that the American public is talking about criminality, that they're talking about the issue. They're, they're, we're not talking about guns so much anymore because, as Betsy said, look, I, I, we already have a ton of gun laws on the books. You know, you commit a crime with a gun, you get a minimum of seven years, these kind of things. But if the courts, if they don't enforce it, it's a moot point. But now Americans around the dinner table, which is a favorite term, everyone likes to say, well, what's around the supper table? Well, now it is. uh, How did you feel at work today? Were you scared? You know, these are the kind of things people who are afraid are not free. And and again, this is the thing. Safety is is a component of freedom. That's an essential element. This is why we started talking about law enforcement in the first part of this program. Law enforcement, we know, those of us with common sense still know that's a key element. We need to reinstitute law enforcement's prestige in our society, refund it, and then we need to make sure that we punish criminals. We need, if it fills the prison, so be it. When you have a lot of crime, obviously you have a lot of people that should be in prison. And this is the kind of weird mythology that we keep hearing from these, quote, experts well, you've got too many of this in prison, too much of that in prison, too many drug dealers in prison. Well, they shouldn't have done the crime. And this is the problem is, is there has to be consequence. We got to have a society back with consequences, with values, with beliefs. We need to reinstitute uh, laws and things that support the family instead of tear the family apart. We need to reestablish in our schools where we stigmatize bad behavior and praise good behavior. Merit needs to come back. This is all this Malcolm, it's a whole range of things that we talk about that we all agree to, and yet we can't get done. But now I think America's saying, you know what, let's get it done. You, you think folks are waking up? I believe they are. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to sink to a whole low level before they do wake up. Sergeant um, Bessie, you think folks are waking up as well? I really believe that. I think that people are starting wow. to realize that wow. if they become the victim of a of a crime, mm-hmm. it, you know, there may not it may not be prosecuted. The police might not show up to even take the report and not to do it over the phone. We David again in our travels and in our own community, we see and hear a lot of frustration and it's not with law enforcement. No. No, I tell you, Malcolm, one of the guiding lights in this whole thing has been our sheriffs because mm-hmm. they're, they have stood strong. So mm-hmm. many of them maintain their faith in our society, our Constitution. I know so many deputies that go to work. They've never lost their faith. And again, the, the sheriff is un, unaccountable to a city council. And these are the kind of things where they've kept, the, I think, the politics out of it uh, quite a bit. Uh, obviously, we've seen the federal uh, the federal agencies become politicized now, and and frankly, no one wants to see that that 1984 effect that we're all we're all seeing that 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 is I think part of the awakening. People are saying that's not right. Let's stop it. And again, I think that's a good sign. I just hope it's happening soon enough. 
Yeah, that is the question I think people are wondering right now. Uh, is, you know, uh, are things happening soon enough? Because the collapse of society, it's, it's, it's serious what's happening right now. It's, um, it's not just one thing. It's everything that seems to be wrong right now. Uh, and this is why, but crime is, you know, in, in, this is why I wanted to talk to you both today, because I just feel this is at the center of a lot of things that are wrong. And these are the kinds of issues we need to talk about coming into any election, amongst other things. And so what you both are saying to me in the final analysis is that we've sunk pretty low as a society, as a people, and crime is running rampant. We're not making this stuff up, friends. It's all over the place. And it's in it's in suburbia. It's in it's in rural. It's everywhere. It's no longer just in the city. Uh, the spillover is widespread. And we're coming to a part of our nation and our time of living here that we no longer really recognize or want to be part of. So the only way there back to this uh, place is to um, uh, we, we need some serious changes. We need some serious changes and we need to bring this to the light. So listen, Dave, Betsy, we're going to continue to do everything we can do here. I think this is a series of conversations I'd love to have ahead between now and, well, the immediate futures for sure, so we can impact people's thoughts. But I think really taken. So keep this in mind as you're thinking about things out there and things we can bring to the attention of the American people. Let's bring them up here on the platform and uh, make folks aware of what's really transpiring. Uh, fair enough, Betsy, Dave. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, Malcolm. People, people have got to uh, stop spending hours in front of cable news and Amen. find news sources like yours yep. where they're going to get the truth and they're going to get some hope some optimism. Amen. Well, it's, uh, that's exactly what I could not have said it better. Yeah. I don't watch the cable news anymore either as well. I've turned that off some time ago here. It's very destructive to your mind and your brain. So I don't really need them to tell me how bad things are and, or to lie to me any further uh, because they do a hell of a job of, of it uh, to be sure. Um, so that op-ed, uh, which was the Bloomberg op-ed back in 2018, the links will be in here for the podcast friends. This is goes to podcast. Uh, and that is what's entitled The Great Crime Decline and the Comeback of Cities. Boy, have they made a shithole out of that statement, huh? Wow. That was back in 2018. And uh, here we are in the uh, year 2022. Uh, this latter part of the year, by the way. All right. Moving fast toward the end of the year. Where's the time go anymore? Do you know? Gee. I can't. What, y'all, anybody doing their Christmas shopping yet? <laughs> I mean, but good golly, Miss Mont. Things happen so quickly here. I, I, is it because we're getting older where time happens like that? It just starts to move. I don't know, but I just want to slow it down. Slow it down, please. Want to stop the clock on the wall, please. I don't want to get any older, but the alternative is not too good, friends. So we're going to have to age together here as we do this thing here. Um, always a privilege and a big thank you to Sergeant Betsy Smith. Uh, and uh, Dave Smith, uh, just really m remarkable um, people. And uh, to think that's all in one family, the two of them, uh, it's a privilege always to have them here. It's a, truly a blessing. Uh, my friends, thank you for being here, being on the mission here. Let people share this message. Let them know what's happening. Uh, and um, I hope we gave you some uh, a lot of truth here, but also a, a hope at the step that people are waking up. I'm going to follow up on that smell and salt idea. I think there's something to it, friends, here. Hey, thank you for joining me here today. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.